Was it good? Was it bad? What was it like working with him, working with her? You'll hear all the tales you wish you knew. Every aspect of the theater, too. Feel your love of Broadway anew on Backstage Babble. Hi, this is Charles Kirsch, and welcome to Backstage Babble. Backstage Babble is a podcast interviewing professionals in the theater industry about themselves, their careers, and the people they've worked with along the way. And today, I am honored to welcome my guest, Tony-winning actress Marianne Plunkett, who is currently starring as Older Allie in Broadway's The Notebook. She has also starred on Broadway in Sunday in the Park with George, Agnes of God, Me and My Girl, A Man for All Seasons, and with Tony Randall's National Actors Theatre in St. Joan, The Seagull, The Master Builder, and A Little Hotel on the Side. Along with her husband, J.O. Sanders, she has also starred in Richard Nelson's theatrical cycles about the Apple family, the Michaels, and the Nelsons, most of which were produced at the Public Theater. And now, without further ado, here's Marianne Plunkett. Great. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing The Notebook. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I, it's very beautiful. Um, we did it for three months in Chicago last year and um we'll start official uh rehearsals january 2nd um i just met my um husband new noah because uh john beasley who had been playing it um died in june Uh very sad and um but um dorian harewood is now going to play older noah and he's um wonderful yeah I just spent five days with him and um, yeah, wonderful actor and amazing singer too. Yeah. And how did that project first come to you? Um, It was four years ago, actually. So, um, and they, I was invited to do a workshop um, and it was right before COVID and it was beautiful. And then COVID happened. And so for three years, we were, we would meet occasionally on Zoom, you know, and have a workshop via Zoom um, and discovered at one point that it's really hard to do singing, especially together, you know, on Zoom. So it became a thing where the lyrics would be read. And, um, and it was a very, wonderful time actually of just speaking the songs um and and very beautiful so uh the the development happened through that period of time and then last year at the chicago shakespeare theater um we were able to do a full production so yes and what has it been like to work with ingrid michelson and becca brunsetter great writers incredible um and it's um ingrid's first foray into um theater you know doing for all the beautiful music she has written and this is now a a narrative and um the music is glorious uh and becca has taken 
um, the book and the movie, and she's cut out any fat. That's what, how I describe it. it. It's just, it's so, it's, um, there's a depth to it and a darkness to it that, um, you know, life, really. Um, the, the um, There's heart and there's sentiment, but it's not sentimental, if that makes sense. It's what we all face. Um, you know, you, you're young and you fall in love and um, it doesn't work out. And then you're a bit older and you find love again, whatever. And, and then you live a life and then you're much older and suddenly you're in the same boat as when you were young of one of them is leaving, you know, that the, the, the it's, it's a pattern. It's a universal uh, story. And the way uh, Michael and Shelley, um, the directors, um, have shaped it, um, their vision. Um, I know the first workshop of Michael's, how he expressed his vision of it was that he wanted it, because we don't match physically, you know, the different lovers do not match we don't look like each other we're different races and all but he said it's every they're all Ali and Noah but they're the same but they're also there are many Ali's and Noah's in the world you know in life who are living loss uh seeking um uh, persistence of finding and I'm not giving up so it's it's I I just love love um the vision of it that mm. we don't have to match because we're everybody goes through this at one time or another um all different people go through this so and it has been a while since you've been on a Broadway stage in a musical. And have you been singing that whole time just off stage, or have um, you know, I, I've done some workshops, and I did. Um, I don't know, maybe it's it might be four years ago now because you have to bring in COVID. You know, go that was three years. So I, I might go. Oh yeah, a couple of years ago I did this musical, but you go, it was before COVID, so maybe four or five years ago, I did a musical, but you know, the Bengtsons? Um, yes. Yeah, and glorious, glorious writers and and um, musicians and, um, you know, just the um, the voice of is so beautiful and earthy and, um, and it, it was called The Lucky Ones. And it was a, I thought a great musical, a very dark musical. And we did that through Ars Nova um, mm -hmm. at the Kaufman Theater, you know, over on the uh, East Third Street, East Fourth Street. Um, really a lovely old, I guess it used to be a church, I think, but um, it's a great space. So I have been doing that. And I sing in my life where they walk around, you know, <laughs> I like singing. Um, just to myself. And um, in the show, I don't sing much. I really sing only one song and then another song with everybody at the finale. But um, I'm, you know, I have dementia. 
and so my voice is not um, able to uh, be there. Um, but I feel like I'm part of the music, but I'm not able to vocalize music until I am. So uh, right. I'm not going to give it away, but it's, you know, it's it, that's, again, part of the journey of seeking and trying to come to a point, so. And so I'd love now to go back to the beginning and ask you how you first became interested in performing. Um, I was an immensely shy little girl and you know, found it difficult to even raise my hand in school. Even when I knew the answer, I just couldn't get the hand up to be called on. And sometimes by the time I'd get the hand up, they'd be on to another question and I wouldn't know that answer, you know, so it would be. But, um, and my mom took me to some shows. Um, she was a musician in her before family life. I mean, she was always a musician, but she was a professional musician um, before she had five kids. And, um, you know, she tried, it, it was a world that just, you know, was, a magic world for me of looking and saying, of telling a story. Um, I was always very imaginative and it was a group of people and they were doing the same thing. They were all working together to tell a story. And, you know, and I would do, you know, the sh in shows at school, just little and realizing that in theater, that script is a magical protection in a way, if you're feeling shy, you have this, oh, I'm very in involved in the script. And it gives you the time to say hello and gives you time to ask a question about, oh, I was wondering about such and such. And suddenly you're in a conversation and suddenly you're playing with each other and suddenly you're part of a community as opposed to walking in, you know, when I was very little, I'd be, I'd be scared and I'd go up and go, hi, I'm Marianne. Do you want to be my friend? You know, it'd be like, and of course that leaves you open to now get out of here. And doing theater was just, we were all on this, using the same book and working towards the same goal and sharing thoughts and um, the process um of creating a theater piece that suited me so beautifully and helped me um immensely um so that's how it started it wasn't oh i'm gonna be a star it was <laughs> part of a community and um and it led to other things so being open and um you know in a stranger i think being that shy helped me in terms of because I was observing, you know, because when you're shy, you're not as comfortable jumping into a situation. So I was always watching, you know, even as a little girl, it was watching people and hearing people and observing. So I think that also probably helped me when I became an actor because I was like this, you know, I wasn't like this i was like this so uh, yeah 
And how did you decide how to go about training in being an actor? Um, well, you know, I, through school, I went to the same school for 13 years. It was a Catholic uh, French nuns um, school in Tingsboro, Massachusetts. And, um, you know, at that point, I wanted very badly to, because I was doing plays, you know, in school, it was an all girls school. So the, the choice of plays were limited. Like we did 12 angry women. That was one <laughs> of the plays we did. Um, you know, um, we did the recognition scene from Anastasia. You know, we go off to the Catholic um, drama festival and um, my close friend who I've known since we were 11, who I'm still close friends with. And she was the, she was Anastasia and I was grandmama, you know, <laughs> and, and stuff. And so I thought, wow, I'd like to do this. But I also wanted to do um, speech therapy and um, Emerson College in Boston, because that's where I'm from. I'm from, um, you know, Tewksbury Lowell, which is just north of Boston. And, um, but, you know, an Irish Catholic family, and my dad was not keen on the idea of that for me. And, you know, he was frightened for me. And this was a long time ago. <laughs> he would probably feel differently now. But, you know, at the time I was doing it, it was, um, you know, no daughter of mine is going to do this. And, um, and so I went to University of Massachusetts in Lowell and I studied psychology and English and I reached a point where I just knew this I'm not happy and I dropped out and I was working and my close friend who played Anastasia the one I had known since we were kids she was at University of New Hampshire in Durham and I visited her she was an artist and and I had never seen a place like this. It was the, the Paul Art Creative Arts Center. And this building housed the art department, the theater department, and the music department. And you just go, for me, it was magic. And the, and the campus is absolutely gorgeous and streams and little bridges, and you're walking through the trees between buildings. And I started taking classes just um, per credit, paying per credit. And um, until I got enough credits to um, actually get a degree. So mm -hmm. um, I, I really, and, and I had some of the best teachers that I could ever imagine having. Um, we were expected to do everything. And it made me feel that this is what is expected of me. It's not that I'm a hothouse flower being nurtured to just do such and such. It was that I... I should be able to climb a ladder and hang something and I should be able to re repair, you know, I'm not a costume designer, but I should be able to repair something. I should be able to do this. I should be able to, and then my job on the stage is my specialty, but I should be part of what the theater is. And um, again, as I, a lot of my teachers have died um, one, um, Carol Luca, who I'm still very close with, and, um, and she's just an amazing woman. Um, she taught musical theater and puppetry and children's theater, and she was demanding, which was fantastic. Um, you know, I had, I had great teachers. John Edwards, Chamber Theater, he was one of the 
first um, disciples of um, Breen, Robert Breen out of Chicago, Northwestern, and um, Joseph Batchelor. Again, people who demanded and, um, you know, say they're not there anymore. And I don't really know what the program is like now, but I think I was there in a golden time. Mm. The, the people I was with were wonderful. So um, I feel very fortunate that I was there. Um, and I know you did a lot of classic plays early on in Monmouth in Maine. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a state Shakespeare festival and um, it's a beautiful it's you know sort of in the middle it's between lewiston and augusta in very country setting and in the it's sort of a lakes region very beautiful and it's a victorian um i don't know just building with stained glass windows and a tower and um harry cochran uh, built it it was sort of like his you know, the, his, his folly, Harry Cochran's folly, like his, it'd be like a boathouse, only he built a big, great big structure with a beautiful theater in it, with the ceilings, with the paintings on it. And it's it just, it was, again, another, uh, you know, I would go back every summer for, you know, years. And we had a company, basically, of people um, doing that. And we put, would put on four plays per summer. And, you know, as a company, you, you knew how to use limited time to achieve something. Um, and, and we'd be sometimes, we'd be down in the uh, costume shop sewing uh, costumes where we did uh, Taming of the Shoe, my best friend, even to this day. Um, we've known each other since we were 20. Um, she played Kate. I was Bianca, a very bratty Bianca. And my dress had like all this frill and you know, giant puff. And they hadn't finished it. I'm, I remember using a glue gun. I'm like gluing the dress together and bows and stuff. And we're, But it was joyous. You know, again, community. Uh, and um, and then when I was still in school, I'm also one of the um, founding members of Portland Stage Company in Portland, Maine. It was while I was still in school. Um, we toured the state of Maine one summer in a van, a bread van, and we would do one night stands of dinner theater to raise money. We went all the way up to Caribou, Maine, down, and um, and then we rented a. a an abandoned furniture store in Portland and we renovated it and created the first, it was called profile theater at that time, but it is now Portland stage, um, you know, a very um, respected uh, regional theater. Um, and they have a lovely space now of their own. Um, that's not a furniture store, you know, so. And something else you did early on, I think, was the Three Penny Opera with Geraldine Fitzgerald. Yeah, yeah and, in Boston. Yes, yeah. and what was it like to work with her as a director? And... Um, she she was sort of my first fairy godmother. Um, um, she's the one who brought me to New York, really, oh. um, after... Um, so her son directed Agnes of God, 
and they were looking for an understudy um, and to replace another understudy. And um, her son, Michael Lindsay Hogg, was the director, and she said, I have someone for you to look at. So, and I was up at Monmouth at the time and I flew down on a day off and I auditioned at the Music Box Theater, which is where my husband is right now doing Pearly Victorious. So, um, and um, by the time I got back to uh, Monmouth, and this was before cell phones, of course, and in your lifetime, you don't even know what that is, do you? Or cell phones, um, or computers. It's like for me, I'm going. Oh, that was pre. That was in the pre. Our, our youth. It was, <laughs> have cell phones then. Um, they called the office at the theater, and when I arrived back, they said they offered you the job, and so um, that's how I came to New York. But it's through Geraldine Fitzgerald. Um, and her son, you know, talking to her son and saying, I, I ha think I have someone for you. So, um, and she remained very close um, till she died. And and I've had, you know, a couple, um, Teresa Wright was another, she was sort of like a theater mother to me. Um, oh. We did Road to Mecca with each other. And we remained very close till her death also she was just a beautiful lovely woman so yes and um with Agnes of God what was it like to be making your Broadway debut and with great actors Diane Carroll and Carrie Fisher well when I first went in um no Carrie Fisher was playing she originally um took over for Agnes when Amanda Plummer left mm. and so when she Amanda left and it was still Elizabeth Ashley and Geraldine Page. And um, and then Carrie was there very briefly, and then I took over the role um, with Elizabeth and Geraldine Page. And then when Elizabeth left, Diane Carroll came in. Um, but I first played it with um, Elizabeth Ashley and Geraldine Page. And yeah, my you know, it's again, it, it, things that put perspective on things that sort of I'm doing my job and aren't I lucky to do a job that I love something that uses the things that I've learned through life, through observation, you know, as a, a shy little kid listening and watching and I'm able to pick things up. And so my Broadway debut, which people sometimes think about your Broadway debut. Well, my Broadway debut was I knew about 10 minutes before I was going on. Is Amanda, something happened. And um, so uh, they're putting the costume on me. And I'm like, oh, she's, where is she? <laughs> she she's got to show up, right? And then they're leading me downstairs. And okay, where is she? I'm in her costume. Where is she? And terrified. And then um, you're on. You're good up. <laughs> And and Agnes's first line is, hello. And that was my first meeting with Elizabeth Ashley. That on the stage, Agnes is going, hello, to this woman. And she goes, hello, Agnes, I'm Dr. Livingston, whatever. And I just thought, how perfect that 
I'm literally, I said, even if I get everything else wrong in the play, I know my first line will be re will is real because <laughs> I don't know who she is. And my hello is, well, here we go. Um, and, and I, and I, and it was kind of fitting that there was nobody that I knew who was at my Broadway debut. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just, it was a work day and I was doing my job and I, did it and it's sort of again i'm so lucky to be able to work in this profession that i love but it is a profession and it's not it doesn't have to be surrounded by this it's sort of you're on you know and and only after thinking oh wow i just made my broadway debut and you know i remember calling my parents and going I just made my Broadway debut, you know, in a leading role on Broadway. Wow. It's kind of nice doing it. Uh, yes, you did your job. You did your job, <laughs> you know. So, um, and eventually I took over and did the national tour. We went to Israel and, um, mm. you know, it was, it, was, it was a good, wonderful introduction for me. Um, into this world. Yes. And did you find that your interpretation of the part was very different from that of Amanda Palmer or Carrie Fisher? Or Yeah. Um, I mean, physically, I'm very different. Um, you know, and I loved Amanda, and she was the most generous. What I remember about Amanda Plummer also, and it, and it stuck in my mind to, to remember this, in the future, if you're ever in a position that you have an understudy who does your, uh, your performance role. And I was, my dressing room was way up on the third floor or fourth floor and her dressing room was on the other side of the stage with no direct access. So she had to come down to the stage level, go back up the other side, go up three flights or four flights of stairs. And it was the next night and I'm sitting in my little dressing room and I hear someone coming up the stairs and it was Amanda in her nun's costume. And she was just at the door and she said, heard you were wonderful. Everybody loved you. And I thought, she didn't need to do that. And yet she did. And I thought the generosity of her coming, making the journey, it wasn't even an easy, oh, she's across the hall from me. I'll tell her, oh, I heard you did well. She, she had to make the effort to come and find me. And it affected me deeply. Um, it has it remained with me since that long, long time ago, um, 40 years, or, you know, yeah, 40, 40 years ago. And that her generosity of spirit to think, I, I have to tell her that she did really well. And, um, and it, as I say, it has stuck with me. It was a wonderful lesson. Mm -hmm. to, because how it affected me made me feel, I remember, very um, deeply. So, so yay, Amanda Plummer. <laughs> yes. And what was the experience like of doing it on the road and internationally? And did you find that it had the same success everywhere you went? Or? Yeah, I mean, you know, the simplicity of the production, I think, is 
I, I don't know if you ever saw pictures of it. You were way too young. You were, you know, to even know about it. It was just, it was a wooden deck with a swoop to it, um, um, raked, but upstage it went up high and it was a like a, it was um, curved. So you're on the rake and then it curved up to the, you know, the sky. And um, and the set was two chairs and a standing ashtray. That that's what so so simple. And um, I think for audiences, it's seeing the plight of this young woman, the plight of the doctor who's going through her own crisis of and the loss of her sister. She had and she's resentful about the Catholic Church. She's and the Reverend Mother who's she has her faith, you know, that it's it's a wonderful reflection, the play of what is faith. And, you know, if you have to have proof of something, then you don't have faith. Because faith is belief in the absence of proof. And that's stated in the play. And I found that incredible that that's what they were talking about and and agnes being what you know what did happen does and and it what people decide at the end i think is partially dependent upon what their belief system is could it be an angel if you don't believe in that then of course it couldn't be it was either she voluntarily had sex with someone or someone raped her and she blocked it or whatever or for someone who feels differently could be it's a you know an immaculate conception um so i love the play um for all those reasons and and audiences across the country and in israel we did in three different places it's a it's a it's a reflection and um almost a puzzle i guess it's presenting the evidence or the story, and then one the the listener or watcher comes to their own conclusion um, based upon their own situation. And um, but it was great, especially having gone to Catholic school for thirteen years. <laughs> I was I was like, I know, <laughs> you know, I know how to do this. And how did um, Sunday in the Park with George happen as your next Broadway show? Um, I auditioned and um, then I got called back and I might have had another call back. I can't remember. But then there was a couple of days of (laughs) (laughs) waiting. And again, this is before cell phones and I remember going to see a movie on one particular day and using the telephone in the uh, lobby. It was you, before you were born, there were things called pay phones that you <laughs> put money into and there were telephone booths and things and, um, and called my agent, I guess, or maybe my, you know, answering service. And um, I found out in the movie theater um, that they were, had offered me, um, dot and then I had 
two weeks of rehearsal before I was in front of an audience. And it was terrifying, but exhilarating because um, the most beautiful show. And I mean, I, I'm, you know, I was honored um, to have been part of that continuum of Stephen Sondheim's work and to have been just a little teeny part of it, you know, a lot, all the people who have done his stuff and that I got a chance to, for seven months, I did the final seven months of the show. So. Yes. And what was it like to work with Mandy Patinkin as well as Harry Grover and Robert Westenberg opposite you? Oh, you know, it's funny too. I actually, by the time the show closed, because there was a terrible flu going through the city at the time. And, um, you know, people were just dropping like flies. And by the end of the run, I had played with every man who had ever played George. <laughs> uh, the stage manager would say, your George du jour is and <laughs> a bit at one period, like during this flu period of time. And, um, and, it was every person was, you know, I mean, with Robert, he, he he was stuck with a terrified young woman who had had two weeks of rehearsal, um, you know, when I went into the show. Um, and Harry, um, you know, we had more time sort of with each other um, to sort of learn it and be with each other more. And I think we had. Yeah, I think we had three months, Harry and I, together. Um, and then Mandy came in the last two months. So um, so we had a nice amount of time also, um, but it was leading up to the ending. Um, and, you know, I had my three main Georges um, in learning the show. And, um, yeah, I mean, again, what, I mean, to say that, I got to do Sunday in the Park, Dot and Marie and Sunday in the Park um, in on Broadway at the Booth Theater. You know, how, I mean, that's a dream, really. So. And what was it like to work with Sondheim and Lapine, who were famously very exacting about their work? And Yeah, I mean, again, we didn't have much time. Time. And I would give notes, you know, as I'm getting into the play. But um, I, I, I remember um, Sondheim, he, I mean, he's certainly an exacting musician, but he, his, he was, he didn't want it to be, oh, you're trying to be, I mean, once he said to me, you're trying to do it perfectly, you know, you're trying to be too perfect. I want you to just be the person, you know, I mean, he didn't want you to throw out his music, or, <laughs> but it wasn't that you had to be exactly, you know, he wanted the person to be there in the midst mm -hmm. of the song, as opposed to I am singing everything perfectly as it's written. And, you know, I don't have the character or whatever. He, he was, he was very um, interested in who, this person is, this character is. So um, I appreciated that a lot, especially being, you know, very little time and getting into this 
company that has been together for a while at that point. So, And that is a show that's been revived several times. And I'm curious if you've seen any of those productions. I, I try not to miss one. I just, I love that show and I love going to see any production of it. Um, it's, mm. it's just one of the most beautiful, beautiful um, pieces. And um, yeah, I, I go if to anyone that is there. Um, I've seen at least four or five productions. Um, all the ones that have come to New York, I have seen. And um, you know, enjoy them in all different ways and go, oh, that's, wow, I love that. You know, <laughs> oh, what a great idea that was. You know, I wish I had thought of that all those years ago or, um, or you know, it's it's good. It's good. And I'd be curious to know, too, what you thought of the reception to the show at the time. I know it wasn't a big commercial success, but it did run for a while. It did win the Pulitzer Prize. So, yes. <laughs> you know, um, and I, I, you know, joined the show, um, you know, so into the run. The last, as I had been running, I think, a year before I joined, I, I think. And they had done the, the production at, um, playwrights um so they've been together for a while um so i was not i just knew that i had heard before i even had a dream of doing it, before i even knew what the show was i was up at monmouth the state shakespeare festival and someone um had a tape this was before your time also <laughs> little things called tapes <laughs> <laughs> that people used to put into a machine and listen to. And somebody in the office had um, a tape. And I walked into the office, and there was music. And I went, what is this? And it might even have been, or maybe this, I'm just romanticizing it. it. My memory is that it was Sunday, you know, the, the, the finale um, of Act One. And just like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. And they said, oh, it's this. They gave me the, the you know, package. And I just, I listened to the whole thing in the office. And then to get, you know, however much longer after to get this call the, to audition for it, I just thought of it as this is an incredibly beautiful, I, what? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Oh my God. So I, I was unaware of you know, any reception or uh, of anything. I just knew what my feelings about the music. And, and then I saw the show again before um, I knew I would have a chance to be in it and sitting in the balcony and just thinking it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen in my life so and another musical starring role you did on broadway was in me and my girl with robert Lindsay. and what was that experience like with winning a tony and everything yeah you know it's it's funny i mean it's, it's certainly thrilling but I, I i'm someone i like you don't do it for the awards it's like what what are awards it's not like we're running a race or you know 
you see who can build the tallest tower and you measure it and you go, you win because you got the tallest tower or yeah. you ran the race fastest or you got the most baskets or whatever. Um, it's, you do it because again, as I say going way back to when I'm a little girl, it's about creating a community, some place to belong, some place to be comfortable and be able to talk, to discover. And so me and my girl, for me, the, the biggest thrill was that I they taught me how to dance. And, mm-hmm. you know, they took a huge leap of faith, and, and I appreciated it. And uh, Karen Baker was the woman they assigned. And um, I was up in Boston at the Huntington Theater after they offered me the role and um, doing St. Joan. Um, and they sent her up. And in the daytime, once we opened St. Joan, the Huntington let us use the rehearsal hall and she had been teaching me how to tap and flap around and, and do the dream ballet. I mean, it was, it was sort of a fantasy. It's sort of like, I can't believe that I did a dream ballet, you know, <laughs> but I did a dream ballet. You know, when I'm 99 years old, I go, oh, I remember my dream ballet where I leaped in the air caught by Robert and then we you know, slid down and looked at each other and there was there were clouds on the floor and I mean it's 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 so make-believe it's not even funny you know you go I just never envisioned myself doing a dream ballet but there I am I'm doing and I felt like a ballerina you know in my flimsy little dress and it just it was it was a Again, a brilliant company of actors, and many of whom are no longer with us, because this was you know, 35 years ago. Georges Irving, Jane Cannell, um, you know, it's um, Tom Toner, um, really a company that we still, when we see each other, there's a, a very tight bond of what we experience together. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I did it for almost two years. Then Jim Dale came in um, when Robert left and um, had an experience with him as well. So, um, yeah, and I got to dance. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> We're tap dancing on a table. Yeah, I've never done this in my life before. So, great. If you let me do it, I'll do it. You know, it's fine. And, uh, and Karen Baker, man, she was so... You know, she believed in me and she made me do it. And it was it was wonderful. You know, it's about what you think you can't do. Try it. And um, you might be surprised. Uh, and if they let you do it, go for it. Um, and and as a person with a shy nature originally it's it's like on stage i said i'll try anything <laughs> you know the, throw that at me what do you want me to try yeah i'll try that i'll try that um that's the joy of it really and trusting you know you trust the people you're working with like you'll be there you know, if i fall flat on my face you'll be there and um I trust you. I look into your face and I trust you. And I hope you trust me. And um, and we're creating a community here. And I've just been so blessed in my life that I've been able to um, do this. And, and, you know, the Richard Nelson, you know, um, 
the Rhinebeck panorama that we did, I did with my husband. That's how fortunate that for 12 years, that every year we're doing a new play and we traveled the world together. And, and there's domestic um, plays, I suppose, you know, as Richard would say, they're about nothing, but they're about everything. Because it's about just life, living, losing a home, but not in a, I'm losing my home. It's, it's about what happens when this happens? What happens as a person gets older? What happens when someone has died and you have to continue your life? What happens when um, all those different things? And um, I mean, who gets to travel with their husband for 12 years? and you know approach new plays every year and um strangely we've he never casts us as husband and wife or lovers we're mm. always brother and sister or <laughs> in-laws or something and it's sort of okay but it's still fun yeah right and with me and my girl it's kind of a much lighter role than a lot of other plays that you've taken on and do you find that there's a difference in how you approach it sort of from an actor's standpoint you know, from an actress standpoint, not really. I mean, there are styles, different styles of, you know, periods. And um, this was 1930s. I mean, and it was written in the 30s. It was adapted. Uh, Stephen Fry um, and Mike Ockrent worked on to update the book. Um, Noel Gay, I think. Lupino Lane was the first um, Bill Snipson and um, Noel Gay was one of the writers, I guess, uh, in 1930. And but it's for us, and I think because Robert Lindsay is classically trained, you know, does he? He's not a song and dance man. He had to learn in England um, when he was doing it. Uh, by the time he came here, he had been doing it for a while, so he didn't have to learn how to do the dances because he knew them already but um he's a serious actor as well and it's it's all of, i mean no matter what you're doing it's about being true and i think that you look at somebody and you don't just put on a face of oh this is style there has to be something underneath it of this is style what's making me act this way you know, but the, but when the eyes are looking at each other, there's something there as opposed to just vague posing, you know, right. you can have the poses, but if there's something real underneath it, it becomes somehow more important. And, and I think me and my girl, which is like an MGM musical, really, I think... I, I know that I, we would get letters from people saying, you know, my dad died a year ago. And I haven't seen my mom smile since then. I brought her and she was laughing so hard. She was so joyous that you got together, you know, at the end. <laughs> and it, um, we had a friend um, who was a survivor of three concentration camps, mm. a child, and he never grew beyond, say, what an 11-year-old height would be. He was tiny, tiny man, a, a Polish mime, Zvi Kanar. And um, he came to see the show. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, he's going to think I'm so, um, you know, this, I'm just 
being, I'm not being very serious. I'm not being, and he came backstage and he spoke very um, limited English, but he was crying and talking about this is so important, the, 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 the loyalty to each other and specifically um, um, Bill's loyalty to Sally of he's not going to just throw her over because he gets a chance to become a duke or whatever that and it profoundly affected this man who had been through concentration camps and he was weeping about the beauty of that this is important that about this love story that they are loyal and they come together and that changed also i thought yeah, that's right. It's important that um, you don't just throw people over. You don't just go, oh, this is a better deal for me, so I'm going to do this. You go, no, this is where I am, and this is what is important, and this is what I'm reaching for and maintaining and protecting. You know, So, um, yeah, a lot of lessons learned doing things. Um, so. And you did do the musical Me My Girls, you were saying, for two years. And do you think that there's sort of such a thing as doing a show for too long or too long for you? Or um, you I, I would imagine maybe there might come a I I don't know, because I never felt like it was too long. Because, of course, every day it's a different audience and it's different people with different needs or expectations um and different responses you know you go out you don't just do the same performance every day it's it depending on what you're getting or you know and and you don't if they're not responding the way yesterday's audience responded you don't push to make them you, you try to feel what do they need what do they want what do they see and let it and you play the play um, as opposed to I'm going to get you, you know, <laughs> Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll razzmatazz you here. It's, this is what I'm offering you. We are a company. We offer this to you um, and share with you and hope that you get something out of it. And you've mentioned your husband a few times, who, of course, is also a great actor. And how did you first meet? Um, we met doing uh, a TV show. Um, it's called um, it's called A Man Called Hawk. It was a spinoff of a series called Spencer for Hire um, about a Boston detective. And his sidekick was called Hawk. And he got a spinoff series called A Man Called Hawk. And um, Jay and I met in Washington, D.C. and um, playing ex-husband and wife who were getting back together again. And we had been dating again. I was nine months pregnant with his child um, and we were about to get remarried. And then, of course, he gets killed <laughs> <laughs> the day before we we're supposed to get married. And um, so... That's how we met each other. And um, we just, we liked each other. <laughs> and it took about a year before we were both willing to um, accept that 
we really liked each other <laughs> and, um, and that we just celebrated our 32nd wedding anniversary. Wow. And we've been together about 35, 34, 35 years. So it seems to be doing okay. Um, yes. Well, so I'd love to ask, um, around this time was when you started with the National Actors Theatre, I believe Tony Randall's company, and what was it like to work with him and have that kind of rep experience? Um, well, I love rep, and because I, I toured also the country in a group called Chamber Repertory Theatre um, right after I got out of college. Uh, it was after Portland Stage was started. And it was based in Boston. So I, I love being part of a company as one of my joys. That's what, with Richard Nelson's work, part of a company. You know, we're part of a group that keep coming back to different work, but this the same author, same director. But um, yeah, I, I was thrilled to be part. And I did that for two years. Um, in the second year, my husband and I, we did St. Joan together um, on Broadway. So he was Dunois, um, Joan's loyal and faithful and brave knight and general or whatever he is. I don't know. Well, yeah, I, I love it. You know, I love having a home, I guess. You know, it's uh, exploring things, but that you have, again, Oh, I keep coming back. It's always community, you know, that I have a community and uh, people with whom I can delve into things and explore things. So, um, yeah, it was an exciting time. And doing you know, two, three shows a year. And were there any parts of the ones that you took on that you found especially challenging as an actress? Or, um, I mean, I was very fortunate. I got to play Elizabeth Proctor, which I had played at um, Long Wharf Theater also in The Crucible. Um, Arvin Brown had directed a production there, Frank Converse playing John. And then I got to play it again at National Actors Theater um, at the... Belasco Theater um, and I love Elizabeth Proctor I just I think it's one of the most beautiful roles of the strength and the doubt of self but coming through of belief um, I, I just think it's a magnificent role so I'm really happy that I have gotten the chance to play it um, and um, St. Joan, certainly I'd played St. Joan at the Huntington, and um, but to do it with my husband. And we shared a dressing room, in fact, um, at the theater. And, um, and that's when we were thinking we were wanting to have a child. And um, so that was all sort of part of it, of, um, you know, thinking ahead and, um, Little Hotel on the Side, Tom Moore directed a real farce. I had a ball during that. And I got uh, Madame Payadin, and she was, you know, the blonde wig. It looked sort of like Mae West and the big hats and the velvet gowns with the corset. And But she was just, you know, to go from Elizabeth Proctor with her own doubts of, you know, I, th I, I, I felt myself, I thought myself so plain 
you know, that I was unworthy of love. And Madame Payadan, who just thinks that everybody loves her. <laughs> She's so beautiful. How could anybody resist, you know? It, how much fun is that in one season to play those two roles? Um, so, um, yeah, it was a great experience. And Tony, who believed in me, um, I was out in L.A. when I got that offer. Um, and you know, to be part of this company, it, that, that makes me joyous, you know, to be invited to be part of a company is, wow, yeah, <laughs> this would be fantastic, yes, um, with good people. I mean, what more could you ask for? Um, and is there a classic play or a classic role that you would like to do that you haven't yet gotten to do? You know, it's so funny. People ask me that. And it's, I mean, there are, I've, I've had the chance to do so many wonderful things that it seems a little, no, but I haven't done this yet. And <laughs> I, I would love, I mean, Long Day's Journey Tonight would be a lovely piece to, with, with Jay, to do with, with Jay. Um, that would be really wonderful to do. Um we had talked and we did a workshop at the public about Macbeth, but from the point of view of older Macbeth and Lady M, mm -hmm. um, you know, that what does that mean? Like for someone who, <clears throat> for Lady Macbeth, who, who can't create, you know, they've lost a child. She can't make another child. She can't, she's beyond that age where she can, um, say, well, I'll have another child. It's, it's what is her place as she disappears? Um, he's continuing to be the warrior. She's disappearing. Um, it's so, I mean, those are two, you know, things that we talk about and think about um, sometimes, but I just, you know, I've just, I feel very grateful that I've had and Richard is continuing to write. He's writing a an I Richard Nelson an Irish play using Marie Mullen and um, and her husband and Jay and me and um, with the hopes of doing it in uh, at the um, Druid Theater first in in Dublin mm. and, and perhaps bring it back here. So there's always something like, exciting. Um, I, we both say man, we didn't, we're so lucky. We're, we're more busy now than we were 20 years ago, you know, in terms of the opportunities that are coming up for us. Um, yes. It's sort of, wow. I mean, who would ever dream that? Um, here we go. How wonderful. Um, and how did you begin to work with Richard Nelson? Um, I, I had, uh, Jay has known Richard since, he just got out of um, college. He was out at the arena, the arena stage, and he did a one-person short play of Richard's called "Scooping" about a reporter and a you know monologue, rapid-fire monologue. And so they met. Then I think it was one of Richard's first plays, and um, and they became friends. And then years later. When I and Richard cast me in a couple of readings, and then did a, a thing called Rodney's Wife, 
um, which was up at Williamstown and then came into New York, uh, David Strathairn. And um, he just kept using me like there would be a, up at New York stage and film. And then fi and Jay finally said, well, wait a minute, how come we haven't done anything? And it was right before the Apple family plays. And Richard then called Jay in and just said, I want you to play um, Richard. The character's name is Richard. And that was the beginning of, for Jay and for me, our 12 years um, of working together with Richard. And, and do you find the process with Richard Nelson to be especially kind of collaborative since you've worked with him for so long and on the same character? I mean, it's his, it's his vision and it's his um, story um it's his but he he over the years he also i think uses us and the people he knows who are in the pieces he uses parts of us for the characters yeah he listens to us and he trusts us and um you know it's it's very plain um, you, you, there's nothing to hide behind. It's a it, it, the the mantra is always that he always just goes, just talk to each other, you know. Really, listen to each other, or or and sometimes in rehearsal he'd go, no, 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 that looks like a play, <laughs> you know. <laughs> that how can we change that? That looks like a play. And I don't want it to look like a play. I want it to look, his aim is that it's people are peeking in through a window into someone's house and overhearing a conversation within a living room or a kitchen, wherever um, the setting should be. And um, that is what, and I think he's revolutionary in that. Um, yes. that and even the use of microphones. I don't know if you've seen any of Richard's plays, um, that, like, 11 12 microphones hanging suspended above the um or hanging above the um set the playing area and so you just talk quiet so even and, and backs you know because it's we do it sort of semi-round um or in one play it was completely round but so it's not staged so that we're presentational um and that we are open to all the people to see us you know some people have someone's back for good portions of time but you have to hear the person without speaking like this so <laughs> up with the microphones of so you can just be talking to somebody but the audience can still hear them um right. and his because he's on a his he's so curious and so intelligent that thinking about you know originally um in theater and the, the booming voices were because you'd have to boom out and also the, the gas lamps and, and, and huge expressions because the gas lights would make it, you know, flickery. It wasn't clear. He said, now lighting is so different. You see, you can see people's faces clearly. It's not like you're doing it like ancient Greek theater with the, the masks and everything <laughs> is, you know, you have to convey to people far, far away and use the giant voice. He said, uh, he's interested in how 
film and theater, um, how they mesh and still doing theater, but using some of the intimacy that you're able to achieve in a film. You know, that you don't have to raise your voice, you just talk to each other and the gestures and the looks. And it's it's a very, very intimate. Um, he's, he's, he's brilliant. Um, and during COVID, of course, he was the first person to use Zoom as a stage. There were lots of productions that were done like with the little boxes and everyone's, you know, and, and some people, uh, I, yeah, I, Irish rep used, uh, it was brilliant. People were in different locations and they were able to make it, they have sets behind them. But Richard used Zoom way early on in the pandemic as Zoom that the Apple family, all the Apple, the four Apple family plays over four years were about the family coming together for dinner. And so he said, again, isolation, they can't come together in the same space, but they're still coming together for dinner over Zoom. So that's how the play was, that they're having dinner over Zoom. And he did three, three plays? Yeah, during um, the first year. Um, March, I think, I don't remember, it was like March and maybe August, maybe it was only two plays. And, um, but he was the first one to really say, here's our stage, here's the table, that the Zoom screen is the table that we are communicating over, um, as yeah. opposed to being, we're physically isolated, but we can still try to reach through and have contact and still break bread together, um, have our meal together. So the communion, again, community, you know, always coming back to community um, and how to create that and maintain that. So. And what was it like to do the timely series of plays about the 2016 election opening on election night and, that was pretty sad. <laughs> that was very sad because, um, and Richard's all his shows would open on the actual day that the play took place on. So the 2016 um, play, it it was set on election day, 2016. So um, Jay always says, so, so leading up to official opening, we're doing a play in the you know, that's, that's situated in the future. Then we do the play that night. And then from then on, it's a play, a past, you know, it's a history play because it's in the past. It's the, it takes place just, it takes place on a specific day. And of course, you know, people think we're expecting that, um, the outcome was going to be different. And by the time we finished the show and they were having a reception down in the lobby of the public and they had TVs set up around and coming down the stairs and you can see through the windows into the lobby going, what's going on? Because people were standing like this. And I, and I said to Richard, 
how bad could it be? And he said, just don't, don't even look. <laughs> don't even look at the screens. And I thought, no way. This is just, you know, what we've just performed. But the, it also teaches you never assume anything, you know, even if you think here, here it's, this is what it's going to be. Don't assume anything. Right. So, um, but being part of, and it's not, you know, he certainly doesn't go, I'm part of history. We're making, telling history, but to be part of what the breath is of the world at a certain moment. And that's what we're living at in our play. I can't. I mean, I, how lucky have we been? <laughs> how, how fortunate, you know, to have had these opportunities. And um, I, I, I just, I, I couldn't ask for anything more than what we've been offered. Um, you know, I'd love to do a show with our son. You know, mm -hmm. long day's journey. He could beautifully play um, Edmund. In that, um, in fact, we did do with David Strathairn. There's a group called um, Theater of War. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. And they go to um, different places, veterans working with veterans, and um, and they also have a branch about um, addiction. And we were up in um, New Hampshire together because um, they have a terrible um, problem with. Um, fentanyl, I guess, or mm -hmm. something. It was a very uh, bad um, addiction problem. And then we went to um, D.C. Um, oh, David didn't do it. Uh, Will Lyman from Boston did it up in New Hampshire. But then Jamie, that's our son, um, and I went down with David Strathairn in, at D.C. And it was a big convention of doctors. And um, and we did it. It's the, it was Act 3 of Long Day's Journey. And um, so I have gotten a chance to do a little bit, and, and Jay has also, but I think we'd both really love to do something full um, with our son. Yeah. So that's a dream. That's a dream of mine, to do something um, fully um, complete uh, with, with our son. And the final question I'd love to ask you is, with such a wonderful career, what advice would you give to someone just starting out um, you know, it's because I love working with young actors and, um, and coaching and, um, just talking. And, you know, I said this business, you can't, you know, just, I think with Agnes of God, even who could have said, oh, the, the woman who directed Three Penny Opera and, and I stepped into the role of Polly very last minute. It was, a, again, I didn't have rehearsal. Mm. And she felt, look, I wanted, you know, she admired Geraldine. And then um, just so many times where an opportunity has arisen that you, I couldn't make be there. It was synchronicity. It was just this opportunity. I said, the only control we have is to be ready you mm. know just make sure that you are prepared for if something and even if you only have two weeks or if you are thrown onto the stage with one rehearsal that you go i can do something with this i may not be my best 
but I'll get better tomorrow. Tomorrow will be, and the day after that will be better, and the day after that will be even better. But I'm not going to fall flat on my face. And I'll have to say that University of New Hampshire gave me that grounding that I knew I'm capable and I'm expected to be able to stand up and do this. Um, you know, a strength uh, within. Um, Again, I'm not a hothouse flower. I'm a wildflower, and um, and I love being a wildflower um, mm -hmm. as opposed to a hothouse flower. Um, no, you don't have to take care of me. You know what I mean? <laughs> I will survive. I'll I'll push my way up through the pavement, um, and and I can look delicate and I can be beautiful and soft, but I will survive. And and for everyone, you know, again, just. That is your power is to be ready to read, you know, every play you can get a hand on. If you, you know, you graduate from school, don't go, oh, there's no opportunity for me. Meet with the friends that you love to work with, that you have loved to work with before. You, you, you pull your, you either meet in someone's living room or you pull your money and you rent every month you rent a rehearsal space you know if if 10 of you do it and it's you know 50 dollars for two hours whatever the prices are that's probably affordable to you yeah. you know if it's, it, and worth it to you that you meet and and you know you from there you can we get somebody to come in who would talk to us you know, and, and talk to us about certain things. You keep it going, keep learning, keep growing, keep the education going. You don't just stop and go, I'm ready for my close up. You know, it's like, I have to keep learning. Um, I mean, here, Jay and I, you know, who are, <laughs> we're along the line there. Every day is something new, something new to learn, something new to experience. And that's, the thrilling part of it it's um you just there's always something new and you, d you don't just wait for it to happen you and it's not about being pushy but it's just keeping the brain and the heart going that you just i have to discover what is this play about what what is this book about what is this character thinking what what do you think about whatever um and then you're ready you know, if an opportunity, you're ready without bombast. You're just simply ready. Your heart is there. Your abilities are there. Your soul is there. And you just go, okay, what do you want me to do? You know, what is this about? I'm here. Hmm. If you want me to um, be part of this community, um, I'd love to. And, you know, it's a hard profession. It's a very hard profession, and you have to seek out those places of community. And um, so I guess that's all I could say. Um, that is wonderful advice. Well, thank you so much for doing this. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. you. I, I'm so happy to finally meet you. And um, Listeners, thank you for tuning in. Remember to go see The Notebook, and remember to come back next time when I will be joined by Broadway star Elena Shadow. Elena Shadow will be appearing in my next show at 54 Below. Backstage Babble celebrates Joe Allen Restaurant on April 29th. More details about that to come very soon.
Elena has starred on Broadway in Les Mis, Sweet Smell of Success, Nine, La Cage Fall, Fiddler on the Roof, The Woman in White, The Bridges of Madison County, and The Visit, and on tour in The Light in the Piazza and The King and I. She's also appeared off-Broadway in Days of Wine and Roses, The Backe, and The Water Coolers. You won't want to miss that interview, so make sure to tune back in for that, and thanks for listening.